Hello once again, everybody. So good to be with you. My name is Alan. And let me, let me just tell you, we are doing these together with the band now uh, here in this same room. And let me just tell you that they sound so good live. The band and the singers sound so good live. It's incredible. Now, now, I'm not just telling you this to be a tease. I'm not telling you this to be a jerk. There might be some other opportunities where I might, you know, do that. But here, I'm not saying that. I'm actually mentioning this to you because I have some very good news to share with you today about our coming back into this room together to worship together and to hear the band live uh, together. Um, we, like many of you, have been watching the numbers over the past number of weeks, and, and things are looking good. We are heading in the right direction. The numbers are heading in the right direction. So we will be able to gather back in this place earlier than what we had expected. And so, in fact, um, I'm thrilled to be able to announce today that we will be gathering back in this room together in three weeks. Okay, I know, I can hear you. I can hear. So September 20th, we're going to gather back in this place. We're going to gather for all three services, 8, 9.30, and uh, 11 o'clock, gathering in here in this room with limited seating. We have roped off already. We've roped off the room for every other row, et cetera. And, uh, of course, once we gather in here, the 8 a.m. service will continue to be the best of all the services. We are not going to be able to offer full kids' ministry or student ministry. Uh, when we get back in, we're going to have to build up to those things. Um, but what that means is that we'll be able to gather as families here in the auditorium and worship together. It's going to be terrific. And uh, we will provide more details on this exactly in terms of how you can make sure there is a spot for you and your family. We'll provide more details about that in the upcoming weeks. But I wanted to share this great news with you here today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we continue to ask that you would um, that you would have your way here uh, here in our city, here in our country, around the world, with regard to the COVID issue. God, would you just would you just have help COVID to stop messing with our lives, stop messing with with things that we want to do, things that we're excited about doing? God, we're just we're just tired of it, and so we just ask that you. Beyond any of the, the, the of our brilliant science, God, would you just come and eradicate this virus? Would you just come bring us an antidote? Father, we pray above all else that your will would be done in our country, in our city, here in our church, in our homes, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. A couple weeks ago, I did a message where essentially I was asking the question, the question, why are we here? Why do we exist? If, if I choose to follow Jesus, and, and I said, I want to be with you, I want to be with God for eternity, why can't I just go and enjoy the beauty of heaven right now? And then last week, I essentially tried to answer that question. Why, why are we here? Why do we exist? We are here to make a difference. 
We are not just here to get through life. We're not, we're not even here to enjoy life. We are here to affect it. We are here to make a difference. Now today, as we wrap up this short three-week series, I'm going to look at the plan. What is God's plan for us in terms of making a difference in the world, in our church, in our community? What we're going to do is look at some famous words of Jesus that are found at the end of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28 is where we find these these famous words of Jesus known as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. It's it's the commission. It's a mission. It is what Jesus has said to his disciples and therefore says to us about this is the plan. This is the mission. This is how it's all going to work out. And it's a co-mission. The word co means with. Coordinate. Coexist, cooperate, Costa Rica. It's you, you, you're always going. If you're going to go there, you're going to go there with somebody. That's I think what the word means. But well, what co-mission means? It's not just the mission that Jesus has given us, but it is a mission that we are to do with Jesus. It is the great commission found in Matthew chapter 28. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there with you with me. Matthew chapter 28. We're beginning to read halfway through verse 18. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let me just pause there. I want to walk through these verses kind of one piece at a time, one chunk at a time. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, when you hear or read the word authority, what comes to your mind? What, what jumps into your mind? Maybe you think about a person of authority in your life. Maybe it has a negative response because you think of someone who has authority in your life who doesn't handle that authority very well. What is your response to this, to this word authority? See, we all have a distribution of authority in our lives. There's a, it's distributed between different people, different entities, and it shifts over time. It's, as we get older, the, the, uh, the people who have authority in our life, those, those people, it shifts around as to who has that authority. When we're young, our parents have primary authority. When we're in grade school, our parents share a lot of that authority with teachers. And I know many of you teachers, you are, are trying to figure out how to continue to do classes online. And I know it is a struggle. I know it's a stretch. Believe me, I know how difficult it is to teach into a lens. I get that. I completely understand that. But let me just remind you, you you still have tremendous influence on these kids. I know that you don't they don't get to be in the same room with you, but you are tremendously influ- influential. You are an authority in their lives. You know that that's why you were called into this job, but I just want to remind you, you are still incredibly influential in their lives. But then something happens when our kids get a little bit older and they go off to college. It seems a regular thing for kids on the, in the college age to start to think that there is no more authority in their lives. They now have shifted from teachers to college professors. They're, they're away from their parents, and they think that there's no authority in their lives. That's why many of us get in so much trouble during the college years. 
On the flip side, it's also why there have been many significant movements in the United States that have started on college campuses, because this is a group of young men and women who just, who just don't have any, nobody's stopping them. No one's telling them that they can't do or think or some of these things. There's just kind of a shift of authority there. And then once we, once we uh, get into the you know, later 20s, mid-20s, and 30s, and 40s, and, and that authority shifts into different people. And so it, it, for many of us, it, our, our spouse or our families are going to have some of that authority in life. And for uh, many of us, there'll be a, a boss, there'll be some kind of authority at work who, who plays that role in our lives. It's often family and boss, and then the other area of authority, kind of the rest of the authority, usually lies with the HOA. And so that's normally the distribution for, for adults in terms of, of, uh, of authority. So what, what happens is that there is this shifting distribution of authority for us as we are growing up. And because it comes from different places, it, it le leads itself towards conflict. There's conflict among that authority that the family says, for example, the family says, we're having supper together at 5.30. And the boss says, you are going to stay until you get the job done. We have the Old Testament that says, you should not eat lobster. You should, it's part of the Hebrew story that, that, that we are not supposed to eat lobster. But then the cruise director says that Tuesday night is all you can eat lobster. And so how do you, how do you handle that? We have different authorities. Mom might say to a young man, cut your hair. You, you need to cut your hair. If you ever want to succeed in life, you ever want to get a job, you need to cut your hair. But then the girlfriend says, ooh, you look like Hercules. And so there's this, there's this tension there. And so what do we do with it when there is this, this, this um, tension of authority? Jesus in these final words that he says to his disciples, he gathers them. And the first thing he says, the way he starts these verses, starts this, this, this great commission, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In other words, there is no other person, no edict, no entity, no other source that will mess with or disturb or disrupt the authority that I'm bringing into what I'm about to say. No other person, nothing. Here is the plan, Jesus says. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, how do we do that? What does that look like? Most of us are familiar with these words, with these verses, particularly these words here. Go and make disciples. What does that look like? Can you think of someone in your life that you think is doing this? This is the Great Commission. Who jumps to your mind as someone who is actually walking this out, who is actually demonstrating these, these words? Going and making disciples. Can you think of someone? What does that look like? You see, there's, in general, 
there is a spiritual journey that we all go through. And I'm going to give you four words, but these aren't the four words. You can find different versions of this, you know, elsewhere. But there's, 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 this, there's this spiritual journey. I just came up with these four words, but it's this growth journey that essentially starts off with searching. It is the searching period that all of us go through where we say, how did I get here? We ask these major questions how did I get here? What, why am I here? This is so much a part of this, this series that we're looking at right now. We're all, we've all asked these questions. How did I get here? Why am I here? What happens when I die? These major life questions. It's the searching process. And then that leads to the, to the second phase, which is the decision period. What this means is that each and every one of us at some point needs to decide whether or not Jesus is Lord, that our lives cannot be this ongoing debate of maybe, maybe not, maybe. We don't want to spend the rest of our lives as if we're standing and looking at the menu at Wendy's. I don't know. I don't know. I had that last time. Jesus seems great. And I learned a lot about Jesus. But, no, but, the, but the number 666 just is so interesting at times. And so we don't want to spend the rest of our life kind of maybe, maybe not, maybe not. We have to come to this point where we decide, am I going to follow Jesus or not? There is a decision period in the journey. And the next is, is the growth stage, the growth period of, of, of the journey. And this is where, this is usually a long, long, long part of the journey. It's really the rest of our lives. This is where we read and we pray, and we sing, and we learn, and we go, and we try, and we fail, and we get back up, and we love, and we try, and we fail, etc. This is the growth stage. It's an ongoing journey of God, of God transforming our hearts, and, and us inviting God into work one more day, one more day. God, would you do your thing? It's the growth journey. But then there's this fourth journey, the, the, the reproducing stage. This fourth area is where we realize this whole thing is not just about me. It's not just about my heart and my heart getting right with God so that I can spend eternity with him. This fourth piece, this reproducing piece, is the one where we realize that we are to have a role in helping other people experience these other three. In, in addressing and loving those who are searching and those who are making decisions and those who are growing, etc. It's us pouring into other people. And this fourth phase, this fourth, fourth period of growth for, for, uh, spir- in the, on the spiritual growth pathway, this is not just for the super Christians or for the professional Christians whatever a super Christian might be. I I don't even know what that might look like. This is for all of us. This is the call for all of us to go and make disciples. Jesus didn't just say it. This is what he did. He took the disciples, who, who these young, imperfect men who were looking for something more, they were looking for something more out of life, and he interacted with them in this region that was up near the Sea of Galilee, and he interacted with these young men, and, he, and then the, in the next phase, he invited them to follow him. You got to make a decision. Will you follow me? And then he spent three years with these guys, 
pouring into them, teaching them, modeling for them, showing them miracles and just loving on them, experiencing them and inviting them into new things, this growth journey. And then he says to them, go and make disciples. This isn't just about you and your growth. Go and make disciples. This isn't just a message for those 12. It's a message for all of us. So, who are you pouring into? This is not just about one, two, three, about your growth and, and all that can happen in you. This is, and it's not just about you being nice or kind to other people. It's not just who in your life are you being kind to? Who are you being nice to? I'm saying, who are you developing as a disciple? Can you think of a name of an actual person in your family, in your uh, social sphere at work, here at church, some, a, an actual person or a group of people that you are pouring into because Jesus says, go and make disciples. It isn't just for those 12. It's for all of us. It's, a, it's an important challenge from the Lord. And then he continues. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Baptizing them, teaching them everything I've commanded you. When I was young, my dad used to tell me this joke that I will now share with you. I'll say you're welcome before I even tell it. The joke is, uh, what does a dog say when he, when he sits on sandpaper? Ruff! <laughs> okay, I thought it was really funny when I was a kid. Um, but let me just tell you, it, ha it has nothing to do with the message. But, but, my dad must have liked telling dog jokes because he also said this. I remember my dad also saying this joke. He said, what do you need to know in order to teach an old dog new tricks? What do you need to know in order to teach an old dog new tricks? More than the dog. I told you, you needed to be on the drums. I needed, so I needed a moment there. We, we got, okay, we got it. Can we redo this? Okay, no. Uh, so, so, so you need to know more than the dog. You can't reproduce in someone else something that has not been produced in you. You can't enjoy or respond to the call of Jesus to, to be a reproducer unless something is produced in you. There, there are many different ways for us to, to grow, many different areas that we can grow, and we can choose different areas of our life that we want to grow in. And, and, but let me just tell you, this, this pathway that I've been talking about, this, the, the spiritual growth, really the reason that we exist as a church is to, is to move along this path ourselves and to encourage and coach others to move along this. The reason we exist as a church, this spiritual pathway of growth is the most important pathway of all growth journeys. There are many different ways to grow, but this is the most important journey and pathway. I know that many of you sometimes feel like, like I do right now, just right now in this season of life, here in the middle of 2020, it just in some ways, some days, it just feels like, like the world is crumbling down around us. 
This has been a, a trying year, 2020. I was reminded just this week that our friends in Lebanon, we, we connect with the ministry there, Heart for Lebanon. And I was reminded just this week that every day they struggle mightily to get basic needs to help thousands of people who are left homeless in the city of Beirut. Every day. And the group that is over there on the ground and working and doing the best that they can, they wake up every morning and they just say, God, give me hope today. Give me guidance today. Give me some help to get through this day. And here in our country, the, the political fighting that's going on is so vicious. It is so vicious and it is so divisive. It is, it is two parties that are supposed to make our country stronger. They're supposed to kind of push one another to make each other greater. Yet right now, we are fighting against each other so much. There's so much division in our country. There's division in our church, division in our families. It is just so frighteningly divisive. And then this week, we're reminded once again that, that, the, that the racial tension is not going away anytime soon. There just continues to be people who make that so difficult and it is such an, a long journey that we need to continue to be committed to. And so in the midst of all that, you just kind of say, okay, how, what am I going to do? How can I grow in the midst of this? What area of my life can I focus on so that I can grow and be strong through this difficult year of my life? Maybe, maybe I can focus on being an investor so I can focus on the financial part of my life so that I can make wise decisions that will help me and my family prepare for the future and be ready for a, a, a difficult, uncertain future. We just don't know what's going to happen. Maybe that's a good area for me to grow. Or maybe I can focus on being an informed voter so that when November comes around, I can, I can be ready and not just go with the wave of what everyone else is saying or what the media is saying, but I can really be ready to make a good decision. Or maybe we say, you know what? I want to grow as a marksman. And I want to get my guns and I want to have a rack of guns and I want to be ready so that, so that whatever happens, I can protect myself and I can protect those I love. That's the area where I'm going to grow. And let me just tell you, the most important area of life that you and I can grow in, not just this year, but any year, is, this, is, our, is our area of spiritual growth. Above all those other areas, this is the most important because no matter what happens in life, no matter how difficult life gets, no matter what life throws at us, our spiritual growth is the most important area of growth. It's the most important area to say, how is your heart? How are, you, how are you building and growing and developing your heart? Are you baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Are you aware of the teachings of Jesus and doing your best to obey all that Jesus has commanded of us? Are you doing these things? How's your heart? We, we can't teach an old dog new tricks unless we know more than the dog. 
We can't pass on spiritual growth to other people unless we are experiencing it ourselves. We can't introduce a Jesus to other people whom we don't know. And then Jesus wraps up this section. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This week, I watched a, a, a video, a YouTube video that was very powerful for me, very meaningful. It was sent by a friend, and, and it was a, a worship time with Michael W. Smith, whom I grew up with and love, Michael W. Smith. And it's this, this worship time where he's leading a song uh, gathered by a bunch of young people, and they're just worshiping, worshiping and loving Jesus. And, and I'm watching this, and it was deeply moving. No, normally, I don't like worship songs that just repeat the same phrase over and over again and over and over again and repeat and repeat and repeat. Because when I, when I hear that, I usually think, because I've written some songs, and so I think, well, this is just a lazy songwriter. Did you not really have anything else that you had to say? And, and so that's usually what I think. But this video just repeated a phrase over and over and over and over again, and it was so meaningful for me to, this week. Phrases. <laughs> it, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And the phrase was repeated over and over again. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It, you need to hear that. It may look and feel like we're surrounded but we're surrounded by him. It may look like I'm surrounded by bad news. It may look like I'm surrounded by people who just don't understand. It may look like I'm surrounded by negativity. I'm surrounded by hopelessness, but I'm not. Because no matter what's going on, no matter what angle you look at everywhere, every nook and corner, everywhere around me, Jesus is there because he promised he would be. When we live a life where we want to go and make disciples, when we live out what Jesus is, is challenging us to do here, he says, I will be with you always, even to the end, end of the age. Jesus, Jesus was there at the very beginning of creation. Before humanity took a step on planet earth, Jesus was there. John writes at the beginning of his gospel, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus was there and then he waited thousands of years for just the right time when he left heaven and entered into this earth and became a human being, he, he came in through the, this young girl named Mary at just the right time. And then he grew up in Mary and Joseph's home and he had to discover somehow who he was. He's fully God and fully human and just a miraculous journey. This, this, Jesus did this. And, and then eventually he realized it was time for him to have a, a public ministry, to go public. So he, he identified these 12 men, knowing one of them was going to betray him and break his heart. But he identified these 12 men and he poured into them 
for three years. He poured into them knowing this is the group that's going to change the world, transform the world. They are going to reproduce themselves over and over and over again and change the world. Then he, he, he dies on a cross and then he, rises, he raises again three days later, proving that he is the one that he said he was. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Proving all of this beyond a shadow of a doubt. And then he gathered with those 12 to give them these final words. It's like, it's like a, a business owner who gathers with the employees on the morning of the grand opening and, and has, to, has one thing to say to them. It's like the coach who gathers with the team right before the final game. It's like mom who gathers with her daughter right before she is ready to leave the nest and head out into the, 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 the big difficult world. And just there's just one more thing I want to say to you. It's like all of those things times a million when Jesus gathers with the disciples and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the commands that I've given you. Surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. This is not just a message for those 12. It's a message for you and me. This is the plan. Father in heaven, once again, I thank you that you invite us to be part of your story. That you invite us to stand before Jesus as, as, he, as he says these words. We are one of the 12. We are one of the group that you've invited to, to be a part of change in the world, God. So I pray here in our homes, here in this church, that we would play a role, that we would make a difference. Father, that we would look beyond our own growth and development and we would see the significance of us pouring into other people, that you would bring names to our mind of, of people that you want us to invest in so that they can grow and they can invest in others. God, would you take us to that place? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.